Greetings all, welcome back to the Powerhouse Perspective, empowering leaders for business breakthroughs. If you haven't joined us before, I'm Scott Medeiros, the president of Helmwise, and this is Chandler Rose, the CEO of the Rosewood Family of Companies. And we're very happy that you joined us today. We hope through our conversation that you'll take away some insights or add value to yourself or to your business through our discussion. So if you were with us last time, we talked about Helmwise, Helmwise the name, how we came up with the name. And we also introduced a C metaphor, this fact that we're going to talk about captains and ships and that the C itself serves as the business environment. And as we finished out that podcast, we talked about kind of getting ready to embark on the journey. So we'll pick up today's podcast from that particular point and talk about how we actually prepare for a journey that perhaps has an unknown destination or at least unknown conditions that we may encounter en route. So Chandler, welcome. Welcome back. Looking forward to our discussion excited today. Excited to be here and then, uh, certainly excited to discuss uh, what do you do when you find yourself in charge and at the helm? Ooh. Maybe you planned it, maybe you didn't, maybe you had a business that was a family business you now run, maybe the boss above you left and you found yourself right. in charge. Right. Now what? And so it's an interesting discussion. Scott and I have had this discussion a couple of times. My first instinct is, you know, if we're using the same metaphor of going on a journey, we have our why, we, we have a business. So the business, like you said, is the ship. And, right. uh, you know, my first thing is if you woke up on a boat, what would you do first? I personally said I would try to figure out how I got here. Where am I? How did I arrive here? What's going on? Scott, being a lifelong aviator, had a completely different response, which is uh, still very appropriate. And I'll let him lead on why that is and why he trained yeah. uh, many of our best and brightest in the military yeah. to take a different approach than my non-military approach. So Yeah, it, it's funny. If, if I had woke up on a ship, first thing I would think is probably stop drinking. Um, but no. Since I don't drink. Since you don't drink. But, uh, it, you know, we talk about the sea metaphor. And in this case, you know, the ship is the business. And it's easier for me to kind of take it into an aviation metaphor, since that's my background as a Marine Corps aviator. But in either case, whether it's a ship or an aircraft, I think the first thing for me is what is the state of the vessel? What is the state of the aircraft? How do I know that I'm actually on a stable ship or I'm on a capable aircraft? And so my natural instincts is to look at the business and figure out what are the key components that I need to investigate to ensure that I know where we're starting from, that we know that the, the ship is in a good, safe state, uh, that it has certain capabilities so that I know going forward where my attention must be. If the ship is not stable, if there has perhaps a couple of leaks in the hull or those sort of things, I got to deal with those now before I get into more treacherous seas going forward. So in an aircraft, we do a pre-flight and you walk out and you go through a certain re regimen to ensure that the aircraft is ready for flight. Right. Do and if you still fly commercially and you... Yes. If you watch yes. the pilots, yes. uh, even before you go out yes. you know, and, and walk down the the jetway to get onto the plane, one of the two pilots will go out onto the tarmac and they'll do precisely what you're talking about. So walk us through, you know, the discipline, obviously the purpose, but 
discipline and why you trained it that way. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned the word discipline because I think that's probably the most important thing. So the, the pre-flight ritual in an aircraft is, a, is indeed very scripted. You start at a certain point on the aircraft and you work your way around in a certain fashion. Since I flew helicopters, that also involves going to the top of the aircraft, talking and looking at the rotor system and ensuring everything is right there. And you're doing that to make sure the aircraft is safe to fly. You're also doing that to get an appreciation for where that particular aircraft is in terms of how it may perform when in flight. In other words, there are certain parameters that the, the controls and, and the different pieces and parts of the aircraft can be in, certain tolerances. But based on where those tolerances are, provided they're within tolerance, the aircraft's going to feel a little bit differently, a little bit looser, perhaps, maybe tighter in certain situations. And so taking that same sort of thought process and applying it to a business. So what is my discipline approach to investigate my business? What are the things I'm going to look at in a very sequential way to ensure I'm getting information that is supporting itself? If you don't go in a disciplined way, what happens is, is you start jumping around and what you don't know is the interrelation of those pieces. So you have a piece over here which you thought was very, very good, but when that piece is put in the proper sequence, mm, it's not so good. And so for me, it's about the discipline of doing it the same way every single time. Um, and I think I told you a story earlier this morning about there's a, an aircraft that I was, I was testing. There's a, a situation in the aircraft where you've got to test the engines. Mm -hmm. And part of the things that we do is we put these pillows in the engine overnight to just serve as the key what we call foreign object damage out of the aircraft. Well, I was doing the test with a, a crew chief and I instructed the crew chief to go out and pre-flight his side of the aircraft and I pre-flighted my side of the aircraft. And of course, I went up to check the rotor system, but I didn't actually confirm the other side of the aircraft with him. And when I started the engine, I actually ingested one of those pillows. Um, and that was because I didn't follow the sequence that I was so accustomed to. And the crew chief wasn't familiar with the process. And as the pilot, I didn't ensure that he understood his, his requirements and checked up on that. No different than a business, right? How clearly are we communicating what the expectations are and how thorough are we in our analysis of the business? Well, if you take that to business, I mean, if you're a follower of Collins, Collins talks about the great leaders and the amount of time they take to get to know their business. And in our metaphor, and as we walk through Helmwise, you know, what phase we're in is really orient. Yes. And so you've, you've found yourself now with this business. You must orient the business like we've talked about. Later, you orient yourself. You orient compared to where you want to go. And then you'll start making assessments on is the business prepared to go there or not? Are you as a leader prepared to go there or not? And what are the gaps? And how can you either cross that gap or mitigate that, that right. risk and, and right. move forward. So it is very apt, uh, you know, example of the aircraft going to the straight to the uh, business and the hull of the ship first. The trust but verify, of course, is used in business a ton, yeah. which obviously you broke that rule going with. The, I did. Uh, I did. And, but, you know, lessons learned. Lessons learned. Lucky it was just uh, sucking the pillow in instead That's of right. in the air. That's so, true. That's true. Um, what do you see, you know, having been at a lot of enterprises and big mm -hmm. companies and set with a lot of individuals that run business? I mean, what are common factors that obviously must be present in every business? Yes, I, I tend to 
tend to take an operational view towards things. Yep. And, and so one of the things that I always look for, are what are the core procedures in the business? And are they known, first of all? And secondly, are they followed? Right. So if you look at a business, you're going to have some sort of go to market plan. How do we actually go out and find clients? How do we sign those clients? How do we get a contract with those clients? And then from there, how does that contract then transition into delivery or operations? And then from operations, how do you provide the goods and services to the client? How do you build the client? And then if there are any problems along the way, how does the client get a, an appropriate um, request into you for something to be fixed? Now, that's kind of an end-to-end -end process. Go to market all the way to billing and collecting uh, monies at the end. Is that process known? And then more importantly, is that process working? Now, in large enterprise, very bureaucratic. You've right. got reams of paper that are sitting around defining these processes. In some cases, they have them in a, a software system and those sort of things. But the presence of those processes doesn't mean they're actually known and being followed. And so to me, that's one of the things I check. Do we know the processes and are the processes being followed? So that's the first check for me as an operation. Well, one of the person. things that we, when we talk about the amount of process and amount of systems, obviously a lot of people may be listening or smaller operations. And so yeah. you do see uh, people that don't have the, I guess, right size is not the right term because that's the term a lot of people use but with layoffs, but certainly have not put the requisite, I guess, uh, amount of process in place and maybe yeah. put way too much. So you, you can think of a lot of movies where you see people throwing stuff off of a boat or out of an aircraft to yeah. lighten the load. Yes, yes. Um, certainly I've met people who are so process oriented, mm -hmm. they don't even want to get the business going until they have considered every possible plan Yes, and bring in all this heavy load for a ship that may not even capable of bearing the right. load. The old paralysis by analysis. Or they build enough, so much process, they don't even have enough employees to execute it, to your point. They just put a bunch of stuff in a drawer, check the box, yeah. and felt mm -hmm. good about it because mm -hmm. the business book said, I need that. Yeah, that's actually a great point. And you mentioned the size of the business. And so the smaller, probably the less documented and detailed processes you, you need. Why? Well, because you know, if it's you and I running the business, then Hey, we can communicate, but that's the other difference. The smaller the business, the more important communication is, right? Because remember, a process is only a document to translate to someone else what to do and how to do it and in what time frame. Right. So if, if that is gone, then it now relies upon the two individuals or five or 10 or whatever it happens to be to communicate what those things are. And more importantly, it takes greater communication because you have to ensure those things get done. If I have a very bureaucratic process, I may can see the workflow and say, oh, that step was done. So step two, three and four were done. I'm on step five, where here we may have to communicate. And so I do see in smaller businesses where there isn't enough process and not a need for that process, but there is a need for communication. So if that communication isn't there, there's going to be problems on the horizon. All right, Scott, well, we've talked about, uh, you know, really doing the assessment on the business, the amount of procedure that's in place, process that's in place. How do you get past the kind of potential lipstick on a pig, smoke and mirrors? Right. Of, they have all the window dressing. Can they right. actually deliver the service or the product? Right. You know, how do you move into the, the next phase of the, the ship kind of looks 
good? Is it functional? Yeah. Yeah. Functioning is very, very important. And I think it'll vary a little bit, whether it's a product oriented company or a sourcing oriented company. But we talked about processes. And again, you know, just because you have a process doesn't mean it's working properly. And you, you mentioned a, a while ago about talking to people. Obviously, that's part of the verification process. So if indeed you, you have a, a go-to-market plan, whether that's been written down or whether it's an agreement between the, the small number of people within the business, right? How about talking to the individual saying, what do you think the first step in acquiring a client is? And then ask someone else to what the first step of acquiring the client is and see if those things are close together, right? Because that's going to tell you that at least there's alignment and understanding and alignment and execution. So you can definitely go through and talk to people. What I like to do if a process is available is I like to go more almost like you would do in an audit. You would have a process and you would take that and almost interview people to ensure that things are, are lining up. Now, just because I have a process and people say that things are this way, I'm going to go start looking for true hardcore metrics. What are some of the, the numbers that I can go see, whether that's financial statements, whether that is actual number of products that are coming off the assembly line? What are the things that I can look at that are more objective versus subjective to verify that the process is actually working? Because those things together, and I don't think it's any one thing, it's a combination of things, seeing it from different angles and, and getting information from different perspectives, that is going to truly give you that comfort that the ship is functioning properly. So we feel pretty good. We have a grasp on this operation that you've landed into, this, this right. either company, the ship, whatever it may be. I see a lot of mistakes, I guess, in coming in and acting as if you are reaching that point and it's only what I need now and forward, Ooh. as opposed to trying to do some research on how the you know obviously you do this in aviation the yes. flight history the flight yes. record the yes. maintenance record mm -hmm. the damage record mm -hmm. um, I see a lot of leaders come in they're excited they want to run something they take over they get a quick assessment of what they think is going on in the business currently they come up with all these prescriptive plans to fix it mm -hmm. and don't do a retroactive kind of yeah. history of the business of yes. the vessel to see Hey, it might look good, but how many flight hours are on it? How many times has it been yeah, landed or crashed? Or and then what has worked and what hasn't? You might get a great idea to add this in, but this vessel sure. we've tried this before. You know, are you going to be able to do it going forward? Will it will it be able to handle it? Yeah, I mean, excellent point. Certain business books will talk about you know don't run your business by looking in the rearview mirror, right? True. But, but we also tend to trip over mistakes of the past. And so I think in any business, it's important to understand how it got to where it is. And especially if you have access to people who have been with the business for a long period of time, right? What better way to really get yourself ingrained into the business, but to ask others for their insights and opinions that generally shows that there's trust and interest and curiosity about the business and helps with the team cohesion overall. But, you know, where the, the business has been, you know, the, as you mentioned, flight hours on aircraft or the number of uh, voyages the ship has been on is very, very important. Because if that ship has been out at sea for a long period of time, regardless of how big and how good the processes are, right, the crew is going to be weary, 
right? The crew, you're going to start perhaps seeing more personnel oriented issues than you will see operational process oriented issues. But if you're not aware of any of the past, you're going into it completely blind. And that is not a prudent thing to do when going into a business and getting an, an assessment of the business. So you're right. If, if I were to come on board and take over a ship, Hopefully I've done a little bit of research, but if I haven't, it is prudent upon me to go and understand the history of that vessel and understand the things that have worked well and even more important, the things that haven't worked. Right. It'd be great to come in as, as a new captain of the ship and you're going to lay out this process and we're going to do A, B or C and not know that, well, we tried this a year ago and it failed miserably. And so you roll it out this way and everyone else, the crew around you is going, here we go again, right? Because <laughs> you, you never took the time to understand a little bit about the past. Now, everything is relative. You can't spend you know, weeks upon weeks or months upon months going all the way back to the original origin of this ship, you know, going back to the, the shipyard and seeing when the, the keel was laid down. That may be a little bit too much. But it, you definitely have to go far enough back to ensure you understand where it was to get to where you are. And therefore, you're functioning from a much better position to take it into the future. What do you think some of the mental hurdles, I guess I would say, yeah. that, you know, some of it is lack of humility. Um, you know, one of the things we've spoken about is we're, we're doing the helm wise and some of the things going forward is, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, and exactly right. Uh, there's other quotes of standing on the shoulder of giants. Right. And so I think humility probably is an attribute right out of the gate to not just, to your point, skip even the whole inspection. Yep. Skip what's been done in the past because you're so bright or you're the new one. You don't want to look like you're. You I can know, make it work. Right. Yeah. Or you, you somehow think you're in the shadow of the previous leader sure. and um, you don't take into account your style versus the previous leader. So even if you are correct in all aspects, to your point, mm -hmm. the crew is not normally motivated that way. Mm -hmm. So you, you had better take a little time to not only look at the history of what they've tried, how they arrived there, um, you know, what worked, what didn't obviously, and, and what's been tried, but also that environment. And even if you disagree with it, how quickly can you change it without breaking it? Excellent point. And I suffered some failures in along my career because I inserted a military minded personality into an organization that didn't operate that way. And that, that just showed my lack of awareness of the environment that I was walking into. And so, yes, it's it's very important that you understand the the current I would say culture, but it probably is more about the personality uh, mm -hmm. of the organization, how it functions, how it works. You know, if you want to come in with a very uh, regimented process into a company that's used to running things a little bit more loosey goosey, that's going to be a problem. Now, it doesn't say that you're not going to want to get them to someplace differently, but the way in which you approach it is going to be in a, in a much more intentional and deliberate sort of way. Uh, and the opposite is true. You may come into a very risk adverse environment and, you know, they don't make any decisions. It goes to one central person. You know, are you sure you want to do that? Sure you want to do that? You know, and that slows down execution as well. And you may be a leader who wants to come in and delegate authority and you want to have people make decisions on their own and empower people. Well, if you go out and say, I want you to make a decision right away, that's going to overwhelm them. 
They're not prepared to function in that sort of way. And so you've got to approach it on, okay, how do I build those mindsets? How do I build those skills by giving to them a little per, a piece at a time and allow that person to grow into what we're talking about, right? Allowing them to fail. So if they make a bad decision, they don't think they're going to be walked off the plank, right? So to me, that there's a lot about the personality of the organization. And as you mentioned, you can't be so arrogant to come in and say, it's going to be my way, right? I'm going to come in. I'm, the strength of my personality is going to drive my ship. Well, chances are you're going to have a mutiny. It's probably what's going to happen. And what you're doing is not taking an appreciation for the crew and acknowledging the fact that they've been on this long journey and then meeting them where they are and taking them to where you want to go. So it's really on the captain. If it doesn't work out well, it's the captain's responsibility. When you know, another thing to remember, if you're watching, you are better by all measures. Yeah. You still can't come in and immediately impose your will and your way onto an already built vessel. Now you can shape it, modify it, move yep. it. It's just a high risk proposition to go in. And you see this, you know, very often when buyouts and private equity and things come in or, or like I said, if you happen to, you know, ball sleeves, now it's your ship, um, kind of a little less of a true succession mm -hmm. plan. Mm -hmm. And instead mm -hmm. here you are at the helm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's not a knock on your ability or your acumen or whether you actually have a better way to operate. It's to your point, I think you said it best, it's respect for what did work that was there, respect for the people that are there, the process was there, even if it's not the way to go forward. And, yeah. and I think a lot of people, you know, they want to make their list. And they want to come in and they want to change. And it may be all right, all correct. Uh, but to your point, we confuse, uh, I'd like to go back, get that culture versus, you know, really the, the way they operate. They can have a great culture that operates a little less prescriptive, that is a little more creative, you know, and you come in and maybe the situation has changed and you need to get more structure. But that doesn't mean they have a bad culture. So you'd better be careful on how you yeah. crush what's there as opposed to mold it and improve it. So. Yeah, as you were speaking, I wrote down a couple of things here because they came to mind. Is There's a, a tendency for some leaders when they take over an organization, whether it's a department, maybe even an entire company, that they immediately want to put their thumbprint on that mm -hmm. organization. Right. And, and in doing so, what they're doing is putting their thumb on their their team and really demoralizing them is what they're doing. Um, I've also seen organizations and this happened to me a couple of times in different roles that I've been into. You get what I call parachuted into a situation. And in some cases, I was sent into certain roles to, quote unquote, apply discipline. Right. <laughs> and it was my job to go in there, get things on not track. You. No, not me. Um, so it was my job to go in and get things on track. And in doing so, it, it causes a lot of disruption, right? Yeah, I indeed maybe use the force of my personality and my intensity to get things done, but it's probably not going to be long term. People may put up with me and my antics for a period of time, maybe gets the project to cross, cross completion. But would that be a team that they would or would I be a leader they would choose to follow? I mentioned this in a previous podcast about the five levels of leadership from 
from John C. Maxwell. And the first level is position, ruling by your position or leading by your position. And the second level is permission, where someone chooses to follow you. Now, if I come in and apply discipline and you know burn the bridges, right, and and really don't treat the team with respect and admiration, then they're not going to choose to lead me, uh, choose to follow me, right, and won't lead me. Uh, I won't be able to lead them into an effective place. So that arrogance, that awareness, all important things. But so much, so often, our ego gets in there, right? Especially as we get a little bit higher in position. Uh, we just want to come in and we want to be the person in charge because we want to show that whoever hired us, that it was a worthy hire, that I'm going to make a difference. But in doing so, you really can upset a lot of things on, on the deck. So we kind of naturally shifted from orienting ourselves to the ship mm. to actually orienting ourselves. Back to ourselves, yes. And so that is the natural evolution, which I can see why you started there again because of your history and it being uh, – I mean, I don't disagree, I guess, at all, because I would have said to orient yourself first and, and yeah. probably not the right order, because that still is a level of arrogance of, you know, selfless versus selfish. I'll orient myself first as opposed to the group. Mm -hmm. um, but you see the ship and then do you have the self-reflection and humility to analyze, all right, I said I wanted to be in charge or I got thrust into being in charge. Right. What do I actually bring to the table? So it's real easy to throw rocks at the team and the business Ooh, yeah, and, and yeah. you know the you know the, all the people that work here. They don't know how to do X Y Z. Well, the business, if it's a decent business, it existed before you. So <laughs> exactly. clearly, that opinion is yeah, not accurate. Exactly right. So uh, talk to me a little bit about self reflection and humility, um, and, and we're truly just orienting. You know, I do like the again the thought of. Maybe you did wake up on the deck of the boat. Mm -hmm. So now you've run around. You've made sure the boat's not sinking. You feel pretty comfortable at what you have. Now that that kind of, in my mind, I'm visualizing someone manic going around. What what the heck's going on? Yeah. Well, all right. Well, you've got that. You're not sinking. Yeah. We're not, we're not going on the rocks. And yeah, then you, you go, that. well, how the heck did I get here? And what, yeah. what am I doing? And so uh, walk through. Oof. I'll give you the tough one because I know you like this side of the uh, – the circle. Yeah, this side of the circle. There's the first thing that came to mind as you were talking about self-reflection brings me back to emotional intelligence. And it's all about understanding yourself, self-awareness, self-management. And then you've got social awareness and you've got relationship management, the four quadrants, as uh, Daniel Goldman would talk about in emotional mm -hmm. intelligence. And, you know, I think we don't spend enough time there. Right. It, I think as as natural, especially operation operations minded individuals, they want to get into the execution of the business. But the people side of this is so critically important. And I definitely know that it was an area that I struggle. With, I still struggle with understanding what what wake going back to some of our, our seamen uh, metaphor. What wake am I leaving? Right. Oh, yeah. And so really understand who I am, what I want to accomplish, and more importantly, how do I want to accomplish it? Do I want to come in and, and be, you know, Captain Hook? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Or do I want to be, you know, someone else who's much more endearing to their crew? And I would say early in my career, I was 
jumping on the ship and this is the way it's going to be. And it probably came from being a Marine and all these sort you'll, of things. You'll follow me because I'm the best. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. So. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's, and that is, it's be done. And I will fully acknowledge there are a lot of leaders and a lot of businesses that are by definition, financially at least successful for a period of time. Yeah. And I don't think that is at all the goal of Helmwise. We are much more in the Collins camp of the, you know, yep. the long duration not twenty the, mile not, march. Not the idea that I can run it while I'm there. And you have the quote yeah. of, of if it doesn't run without you, it doesn't, doesn't run. run. That's exactly right. And so, you know, I believe that because you never know what's going to happen. And, and you, if you truly are selfless about leading your team, you want them to be successful. You want them to grow. You want to yeah. challenge them because they need enough challenge to actually, you know, grow themselves. But um, know thyself is as ancient as it comes, you want to go back to, to old reading and it's a hard, very difficult thing to do is to truly sit down and assess outside of, you know, the education or the acumen or the position or the sort of the, uh, the true serotonin level of, I'm going to rank myself against everyone else around, which is, is what that works off of. Yeah. Truly, seeing what's in your eye before you go pointing out what's in someone else's. And that's a Yeah. I was also thinking as, because self-reflection is such an important concept and the term itself, self-reflection says it's me, right? I'm the, taking the time to analyze myself and to do that. First of all, you've got to have the desire to analyze yourself and think it's important, right? And worthy. You also have to have the curiosity about why do I do the things the way that I do them? Um, and are those the right way to do things? So there's some curiosity there. But I also think it's important to find people that you trust who can call you on your stuff, right? So having people who are saying, you know something, you're being a jerk right now, right? Or you're being overbearing right now, those sort of things. Um, since I've been part of the Rosewood family of companies, I've learned a lot through, from you and the rest of the senior leaders at the Rosewood family of companies because, yeah, I... I kind of lead in a military sort of way. It's just, you know, it was in my DNA. But I think over the last four and a half years, I've learned more about myself and the importance of self-reflection and also making sure that the values are being seen through me, modeling the way, which is another key concept for the captain, right? The captain can't put rules for the deck and not follow the rules. That's the quickest way to have people start saying there's a double standard around here. Um, but all of that begins with self-reflection, understanding what your values are, and then ensuring that you're living your values. And if you have that accountability partner who's going to ensure that when you step outside the, the line a little bit, you get back on in a very caring way, not in a disciplinary sort of way, but as a reminder, because we all sometimes wander off course. And well, we and need that compass to, to, to guide us back to where we're going. I do think that, you know, that is the, the key part of washing it back through your stated values and your why. I think that is good yeah. self-reflection. But to your point on accountability, the accountability partner is huge. Um, you know, as a lawyer, they say that, you know, a lawyer that represents himself has a fool for a client. And so <laughs> the same can be said for sure when you're trying to really evaluate and reflect on your character and your leadership abilities and, you know, 
you can self-assess to a point. You certainly can build out structures um, and you can put filters on to try to map that out. But without someone outside of you to review how you're behaving and how it's being perceived, which is a big part of it. So even if you're doing it with great intent, that doesn't mean it's taken with great intent. So um, I think that's a that's a good point. I do think that we'll spend a, some more time in the, in the next episode talking about truly self-awareness, I guess, to go to a different level. Um, but for now, just that quick inventory of the ship, the past, what you bring to the table at this moment. Right. Right. Then you start working a plan of, you know, what do I need to be as a leader? Am I there? What do I need to do to bridge that gap? And like I said, to kind of mitigate um, those steps. So what are we missing as we've done this quick inventory on, on the, uh, Yes, I think waking we, up on the ship. Yeah, you know, when we get into that that more detailed analysis of gaps, you know, that's where tools such as assessments. We, you know, we do work in genius here. We're also yeah. Maxwell uh, disc individuals as well. And you know, a lot of times when people take those assessments, they they don't like the results, right? Well, or they try the, to cheat this, or they try to cheat the assessment. Like exactly that. right. And there's a lot of self reflection that has to happen there, right? Do you have the ability to say, wait a minute? Let me try this on for a while. Let me get the opinion of others. And because maybe it is accurate to who you are. And that's part of the awareness process. So I'm looking forward to having those discussions. About I think that is your uh, number one indicator of whether or not you can truly self-reflect is when you try to lie on the self-reflection tool. <laughs> there you go. It's a pretty good clue that, that you are not a, willing a, to self-reflect. That's so, a great tool. Exactly. So right. That in and of itself, the tool could be garbage. But when you instantly start lying about the person you think you should be, as opposed to the person you are, that's a giant red light blinking for you to wake up and think about it a little bit. That's so. excellent. That's, that's, that's going to be an excellent discussion. Yeah. So a little bit shorter than our usual podcast today, but we want to ensure that we continue to add value to, to our listeners. It's always great talking to you, Chandler. And I'm sure as we continue on this journey, that we'll hopefully come up with some additional insights and value to add to our our listeners. Yeah, I think we will. I look forward to it and uh, diving a little deeper into how do you actually give that self-awareness and then talking about the processes that we use to establish yes. what type of leader we think we need based off yes. of where we think we're going to take the boat. Yes. And, and so where are those gaps between where the company is, where it needs to be, again, where you are and where you need to be, and then what are we going to do to mitigate and, and uh, are you willing to even cross that chasm from being on one ship, you know, one point over here and I've got to get over here. That's right. Um, that's, that's another level of self-awareness of it may not be for you. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. We have plenty of tools, techniques, methodologies that we use to, to guide more than anything else. There's no any one tool or methodology or framework that provides the answer. It only provides you some narrowed down options for you to choose from, but the decision is still on you to make. All right. So, well, let's continue the journey. We will. Great. Thanks. Thank you all for joining uh, the Powerhouse Perspective, and we'll see you next time. Cheers.